0: Hello, everybody. This is Human Capital, a Goalspan podcast, and I'm Jeff Hunt. Human Capital is the place where I interview top business thought leaders to uncover the deeply human aspect of work. I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Dale Rose. Dale is the president and co-founder of 3D Group. 3D Group is a consulting firm with deep expertise in improving workplace effectiveness using employee feedback for leaders. They recently celebrated 25 years as a company, and also published the sixth edition of Current Practices in 360 Feedback, which is a comprehensive uh, benchmarking study on industry practice. Their impressive client list includes PepsiCo, Abbott, Shutterfly, Gap, um, Cardinal Health, And Dale is author and co-editor of the new handbook of strategic 360 feedback from Oxford University Press. And he is a proud alumnus of DePaul University, where he received his PhD in industrial organizational psychology. Dale regularly coaches C-level leaders and supports organizations by designing effective feedback processes that align with business goals. Welcome, Dale.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Excited to be here.
0: It's great to have you here. And uh, as we get started, you know, we're we're in the midst of the holidays. And I for those people that are listening, our listening audience instead of our viewing audience, I have to point out your amazing shirt because you've got an incredibly festive holiday shirt on. And so
1: (laughs) tis tis the season, you know, you got to have a little holiday cheer.
0: Exactly. Well, that says it all. So. For those of you that are interested, you can pop over to YouTube and, and take a look there. So, Dale, once again, thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm going to get us started with a common question I like to ask all guests that come on the show, and it's who or what inspired you to go into business way back when?
1: Way back when, indeed, when we were putting 19 in front of the year. <laughs> um, right. Yes, Uh, well, it was interesting. I think it was uh, kind of a combination of things. One of the biggest factors was uh, my manager, actually two managers at the time that I had in work that I was doing uh, inspired me. One was, they were kind of opposites in many ways. Uh, One, I'll just use a fictitious first name, but one's (laughs) name was Steve. And Steve was a real interesting uh, IO psychologist, very committed to high quality work. I remember vividly one point where there was someone being a little flippant in our team about some decision that was being made. And he was just dead set on the fact that what we were doing impacted lives. Uh, He was very clear that when you're hiring people, people are getting jobs and people are not getting jobs and you needed to take it. really. I was just very inspired by the commitment to the impact and the meaning of what we were doing. And Mm. I was really I worked many seventy-hour weeks for him and, and didn't think twice about it. Uh, I had another um, uh, boss, I'll, I'll call John, mm-hmm. who maybe was the other direction. Uh, we would frequently be in. It was a consulting firm, and he would. We would frequently be in client meetings where he would promise things that couldn't be done. Um, he was often looking for sort of shortcuts. Um, And it was real clear to me which of these two I was more interested in. And I didn't want to follow a career in which I didn't have a lot of control over that. So uh, I I knew that I wanted to kind of do my own thing in that regard, I I had my own sense of direction. Sure. Um, And then I got a lot of referrals from my um, professors when I was in grad school, actually I started this business when I was in grad school. Um, And I kept getting referrals to do outside work and it was Ended up being a lot of data-oriented stuff and 360 feedback and employee surveys. And I really loved it, um, and it would just sort of emerged when you mix that together with um, my father's an accountant. So of course he was very good at helping me file my taxes and pointed out quite quickly that I had a business, and I thought I was just paying rent, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it it, it kind of got set up that way, and it just became real easy to kind of follow through and just follow my passions and. Um, you know, one thing led to another. um, And uh, here we are 25 years later and doing surveys around the globe.
0: Yeah, it's really impressive how you've grown the business over that time and the impact that you've had on the organizations that you that you've worked with, because it is very, very significant. So you must be proud of that.
1: I am. Yeah, it's very it's gratifying. It's gratifying to know that the work we're doing is high quality with the kind of impact that that Steve inspired us toward. So yeah, sure.
0: Exactly. Well, tell us a little bit more about the the 3D group and sort of, you know, your practice, how you work with your clients, et cetera. Yeah.
1: So, so 3D group is focused on fueling leader success Mm -hmm. through employee feedback. So our kind of core mission, if you will, is to help in that space between a manager and the the people that work for him or her and around him or her to understand the impact they're having on those people. Uh, And we're very good at, uh, so 360 feedback is one of kind of our core practices, but it's a lot lot beyond the data, right? So the Ds and 3D group are data-driven decisions. The idea being that a leader should be using data from their employees and the impact they're having on employees to guide their development and their growth and the decisions they're making about how to um, move their unit, their division, their organization forward.
0: So it sounds like you know, the core offering is really empowering leaders to make better decisions based on the feedback that they've received and really doing it in, a, in an intentional way that is and undergirded by data.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, really leaders often don't know the impact they're having on the people around them. And so learning that, but not just understanding it, right? That's always the first, oh, wow. I didn't think I was micromanaging, but apparently I am. Yeah. Uh, Okay, great. Well, that's not enough. Now we work closely with that leader to understand it, but then also to create a plan around how to change the behavior and uh, an opportunity to be accountable for changing that behavior over time. So it's it's got to be more than the desk drop. You can't just do, you can't just get some feedback and then go, okay, great, now I get it. You really have to, you know, 360 feedback is really about change. It's about changing sure. leader behavior for the better.
0: Yeah. Okay. And for those listeners that are really less familiar with 360s, because I'm always, you know, we're, Uh, My business is in the performance management space, and I'm still amazed at how frequently I find people don't truly have a sense of what a 360 is and why it's used. Can you sort of take us down to the lowest common denominator and give us sort of a a, a thumbnail uh, description of the 360 and why it's used?
1: Yeah, so we've got a really long definition in our book, the handbook that you mentioned, um, but I'll, I'll boil it down a little more simply. Uh, 360 feedback is really about getting leaders honest behavioral feedback uh, on uh, behaviors that link to strategic the strategic direction of the company. So in the best scenario, the company creates a leadership model that lists out, here are the behaviors we need our leaders to exhibit and then leaders are getting honest feedback on a rating scale, uh, you know, usually one to five based on our research, that gives them an idea of how well they're doing and where they might prioritize their development to be more effective. And also to understand where their strengths are. A lot of times leaders don't understand their strengths. And that's an, a common misconception is that it's just about the gaps. This is really more about understanding your impact as a leader and then making adjustments accordingly. But again, and and the key components I would say are content that's relevant. Uh, You gotta have ratings. Uh, People talk a lot about interviews being 360s. I've written and talked at length about how that's not the case. Interviews are not 360 feedback. They're valuable. Stakeholder interviews are valuable, but it's a different thing. Um, And I could go at length, but again, the writing might be a better source. and, and they need to be able to allow you to compare different rater groups. So one of the things we know is that your boss sees you differently than your direct report sees you differently than your peers, sees you differently than yourself. And understanding those different perceptions is how leaders get
0: better. Got it, okay. And so one of the things that immediately comes to mind for me as you've shared this is the the challenge that comes up in performance management processes, which is around bias. And so can you talk for a few minutes about how organizations can prevent bias from creeping into 360 processes?
1: Yeah, so interesting. Um, One of the chapters I wrote is about whether 360s are a criterion or a predictor and the, 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 at the core of that is, is an interesting notion of, you could argue that in 360s, what we're trying to do is actually capture bias. We actually, mm. what we want to do is understand the perception of others. Uh, Walt Tornow wrote a really great article on this in 1994 about the notion is that when you look at the data, if you see if you see data, I'll, I'll use the the example of um, of micromanaging. So I see the data that says, OK, I've got six direct reports and two of them say I'm, I'm, I'm micromanaging. OK, am I micromanaging or not? Right. Well, yeah. with two people, I am maybe. Right? right. They at least perceive it that way from a leader's perspective. I need to understand that in order to be able to figure out how to dial that delegation correctly. It could be that those are two poor performers that need close handholding and they feel like they're being micromanaged and don't understand that they're poor performers, which is why they're getting so much attention. It could be that I'm actually over controlling of them and they're doing great and I need to understand that and get better at it. So what we're really trying to do is to capture people's perceptions and then work with a leader To understand them and shift their behaviors. Mm -hmm. I think in performance management, you're tending to want a more objective view of, uh, you know, is this person micromanaging uh, globally? And what judgments do we make about that? And so that's on the assumption that there is a quote, unquote, true score of whether they're a a micromanager or not. I think a 360 feedback process is typically going to be uh, looking more at it as a situational sort of a moment in time that's an interaction between the, the people that are providing the feedback and the people about whom the feedback is, is related. So it's a slightly different purpose which shifts the interpretation. Um, I will say that bias in the sense of um, uh, retribution or you know, raiders trying to kind of do a gotcha on a leader that kind of thing. Um, we we do work pretty hard to to in, uh, educate um, raters about making you know wide ranging using the whole scale and being honest. And and we we've got some mechanisms to kind of detect when leaders. I remember one leader. It was actually the CFO of a company um, provided ratings that were all ones or all fives. So we 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 caught it and we went through and looked and sure enough. Uh, he in this case had rated all of his peers either as a one or as a five on every single behavior. Well, clearly this is not an authentic, honest response. He's trying to manipulate the system.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: he wasn't too happy when I called him and let him know that he was going to need to do his surveys over again.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think one of the things I'm, I'm reflecting on as you shared that is there there are really a lot of subtle nuances that exist with the 360. And the the nuances being the example you gave of the two employees that may feel like they're being micromanaged, but the associated reasons, which may or may not justify the manager's behavior in that particular case. So it seems as though there's some complexity. And I guess one of the things I'm wondering is Do you advise, like in your case, you're working with organizations on both the consultative capacity. So you're coaching these leaders. Mm -hmm. You're also working with them to to produce the reports and the data that help them make these decisions. There are thousands of organizations uh, worldwide that run 360s without any consultative assistance. And so, Is that problematic? Can you do that effectively? Does it require certain training? Share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so so the scale is the tricky part, right? So at the executive level, you're gonna end up with someone uh, from our firm talking to you and working you through the data. Uh, Frontline supervisor at at Pepsi is, is not gonna get that experience. So I think one of the things, just as an example, one of the things that's important is that the, that you when you recognize you're going to scale there, you need supporting tools. So interpretation guides, uh, you need um, simple, clear behaviors. It shouldn't be that hard to read your report, really. Some 360s you see, it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you spend an hour and a half just explaining how to read the report, let alone what it actually means. Sure. Um, and so simple reports, uh, clear, you know, and, and, and then guidance on here's what to do with this, with maybe some resources. Um, we can put development suggestions, for example, in the report. So there's some, some advice and guidance right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so you, you just have to think about that follow-up process and do some things that are a little bit more scalable, you know, not maybe as high impact, but at scale, if you're doing thousands and thousands you know the net net ROI is going to be quite strong for the organization. And it's still a valuable resource for those leaders. I think the one thing that I see as a resource or a, a, an opportunity uh, for just say that frontline supervisor is really to let their manager, who's maybe a director or something like that, be that resource for, hey, I'm trying to figure this report out and what do I do with it? And you know, I'm being told I'm a micromanager, but I kind of need to. It's an opportunity for their manager to actually have some structured conversations around developing talent with with their direct report. So that's often the way, instead of an external person, it's either gonna be their manager, maybe an HR person who's been trained, that sort of thing.
0: That makes sense. I was just gonna suggest that HR, it seems as though HR could play a very supportive role in making sure managers are educated and yeah. have those tools and resources that you described to, to run a process that's really effective.
1: Yeah, frontline your front frontline HR partners are absolutely critical uh, and they can make a huge difference. And it can be a great opportunity for one of those managers to pick up some skills or, on coaching and developing and some of the soft side of, of, of HR. Um, sure. I will say again, at the top of the organization, not not recommended so much. I've talked to many a CHRO sure. who's very clear that they didn't want to be coaching their peers
0: (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense yeah yeah that would be a little complicated (laughs)
1: definitely definitely
0: well dale share with me a couple case studies if you will around 360s can you can you share one that had obviously removing names but one that had an excellent outcome that was extremely Mm -hmm. um valuable, change-oriented, improved the situation, and yeah. maybe one that did not go so well and why?
1: Got it. Uh, so the first one's easier to get than the second one, but <laughs> I think I can come up with a couple. So the, the one, one that comes to mind uh, is a, a, a very well-recognized university um, kind of you know household name. Um, we worked with their, their IT department so four, four levels of leadership within their IT department from the CIO all the way down to frontline uh, managers. And when we got there they were very um, they're very collaborative. They were very it was a university setting. Uh, they would kind of go to customer they were not very business oriented. and the way they were set up financially it was a recharge kind of setup up um, in, for internal um, fees and stuff. It was they were really struggling from a, a business standpoint. They were burning a lot of money and not getting enough results. And they wanted, and the CIO wanted to shift them into a more sort of business oriented perspective um, where they were more the experts. And so we started working with them and built uh, out of 360 to give their managers feedback at all levels. And it was a typical process where we customized the content to meet the goals uh, we implemented the survey with an introduction to the process, so managers knew what they were getting into. There was some radar training. Uh, uh, they met with a, a consultant, a coach, for uh, an hour uh, after, um, after they got the report. And then we met with the CIO uh, once we worked well, from the bottom all the way to the top, met with the CIO on his feedback and then could talk to him about what was going on in the leadership group. Still very confidential. We weren't sharing details of any conversations, but we could point out where there were pockets of resistance, where there were orga- parts of the organization that were you know, really holding on to the old way, some that really wanted to move forward. And so we were able to help him craft a bunch of solutions. Now we ended up working with them for 12 years running. He was wow. such a fan. We worked with them for 12, until he retired, uh, 12 years running. And, and what we ended up doing is over those 12 years, iterating the content mm-hmm. and ratcheting things up. So the bar kind of kept getting more business oriented, sure. less collaborative, and it really changed the culture of their, of their organization. And many, many individual leaders, a lot of promotions, um, many individual leaders um, grew a ton, but as an organization, they got a lot more a lot more business oriented and it it just had some huge successes in the organization. So that was really a lot of fun. Um, Great, great, great project. Um, The one that didn't work um, fortune 50 retailer uh, in the early two thousands. And there was a, some turnover at the very top of the organization, new seat, new CHRO comes in and um, he he didn't like the fact that the survey was 50 questions. Um, these are these are 50, like, I mean, we've timed it. It takes like four minutes, it doesn't mm-hmm. take that long. They're short, focused, but he didn't like it. Um, there were eight competencies, 50 questions. So he, um, and we had actually, it was interesting. We had actually correlated those scores to, to retail sales. So we had shown that managers who scored higher on this were getting like, you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars more in revenue per wow. store. With adjustments and the whole thing, so we were like, "Look, this stuff is. If you get these leaders working on this, you're going to drive sales. It's clear." Right. Yeah, 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 but I don't like the items. Too long. Can't we just aggregate them all and just make one rating? So I just have to answer eight questions, one for each competency. Seems logical. Um, we there's a lot of measurement reasons and books about how you why you shouldn't do that that we tried to explain to him and he didn't like it because he didn't he had like 20 to fill out because um, uh, he didn't he, had, he didn't <laughs> he wanted to have everyone report to him mm-hmm. and so long story short he ended up he ended up winning the day we built it the way he wanted and then we ran the same correlations uh that next year and uh there was zero correlation between that and then we also parenthetically on a few folks had an opportunity to coach them And it turned out that nobody knew what to work on because there were in each of these competencies, there were like six behaviors and they got a low score on it, but they didn't know. Was it all six behaviors? Was it just one? Was it three? I don't know Uh what to do. So, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a bit bit of a mess. We did not uh, we did not end up working with them for much longer
0: because their Uh
1: their orientation toward data was different, different than ours. And um, yeah, we parted ways at some point.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if the resistance to, uh, <clears throat> to or a lack of openness to the process itself could be an indicator, a red flag. You know, if oh, if yeah. if I don't have a willingness to allow the expert to guide, that could be <laughs> initially a. a kind of a, a red flag to go into it, I would, I would guess, so.
1: Yeah, a bit of a red flag. I think also that we're, we, we've got a phrase we use called best practical solution. So we know kind of how to do it best. Sure. But we're always really attentive to what's gonna work in the organization. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're, but, but at the same time, it has to be valuable, right? I mean, in the end, the solution he ended up with was a solution that took a lot of time and money and had no impact at all. So, right, right. Uh, But an organization that's not going to look at those data and say, "Oh, wait, I should get it right." They don't have to believe us because we're the experts. Sure. But when the data tell them, you know, you'd think that would drive things. In this case, uh, it didn't. I, I will say that he and and his boss got fired by the board three
0: years later. So, and I'm sure you probably weren't surprised. <laughs> I was not. No. <laughs> okay, that's so let's shift and talk about personality testing for a minute it seems like personality testing is very ubiquitous it's all over and i'm curious given its popularity why have you chosen not to focus on that in your practice
1: yeah so a couple a couple things on, on personality tests. I mean, personality is, is important, right? It's, it's what we bring to the conversations, what we, we bring to any situation. So undoubtedly, it's really critical uh, to, to understand those underlying factors that we bring with us that are kind of constant. Um, I, I will say that if you look at the personality testing, you know, uh, horoscopes are popular too. Um, and they tell you, you know, but they're not predictive in any way. Uh-huh. And so when you look at a personality testing, there's personality testing that's predictive, and there's personality testing that might be more like a horoscope. So you want to make sure that you the personality testing that is has got some nice predictive components and good solid research behind it, really helpful. The other stuff, not so much. Uh-huh. So given that, um, I would say that you know we kind of made the the decision to focus on the behavior side of things so if you think about personalities what you bring to the table it's not going to change your personality really does not change after about you're about 22 right around there and so um it's useful to understand it in a way to mitigate the areas that are problematic and leverage the, the areas where there's a good fit to what you're trying to get done but There isn't a ton you can do other than coming up with mitigating strategies for what you bring to the table. And it's very kind of me focused. Leaders are successful to the extent that they influence the people around them. And so we feel that understanding that dynamic relationship at a moment in time with a particular set of people is a bigger key to success for leaders than simply taking, you know, looking at themselves and their own characteristics and coming up with mitigation strategies.
0: For a lot of people, it can generate, especially people that are going to receive feedback, it can generate anxiety. They can be fearful about the process. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to share any words of wisdom you have for people that are really kind of afraid, you know, that they think, well, what is everybody going to say about me? And then. um, Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Is is ignorance bliss? (laughs) Right. I, I mean, I think that's the interesting question for me. I always describe it to leaders as look, there are there are headwinds and tailwinds and crosswinds out there that you can't see. And what this does is show them to you. And it's better to know what they are and be able to deal with them mm-hmm. than it is to be impacted by them and not know they're even hitting you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so um, if, if a leader can really look into that fear a little bit and, and understand why they're afraid and what they're, it, you know, it's, it's a developmental process. It's intended to help you gain some insight about yourself to improve.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: if you embrace it from that perspective, there's nothing to fear. If you think about it as, you know, your 360 your is not going to get posted on your LinkedIn page, right? right. <laughs>
0: it's, it's confidential. <laughs> it's, it's confidential,
1: right? It's yes. an opportunity to take an honest look at yourself and to see something that, that you can't otherwise see. You know yourself, you can guess at your personality, but you really don't know what's going on out there in other people's heads. Right. And to, to give them an opportunity to honestly tell you what you're doing well and where they see you could improve, it's a mm-hmm. gift.
0: It's yes. a gift.
1: and people talk about feedback being a gift we we actually refer to it um i have to give my friend dave bracken credit for this quote sure. i use it all the time that feedback's really an investment if you look at it as people are investing in your development they're giving you an investment and you've got a a, a responsibility to give them a return for that investment you've got mm. to use it effectively and when they tell you hey I'm micromanaging, you're micromanaging me and you look at it authentically and go, oh God, maybe I am. That's an that's a, an investment they're making in you that they ought to get the return of you changing your behavior.
0: It's um, a great way to look at it. Yeah. For sure. So two part question, are there types of company cultures that are really not ready to do a 360? And And the second part is, are there also size companies that it's, not really applicable to? Am I too small or yeah, talk about those two things.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to do them in reverse. So size, um, not really from a company standpoint. I think you can do 360s anywhere you've got leadership. The The only caveat would be that you really, it's very difficult to do a 360 if you don't have enough direct reports in a group. So if you have two direct reports, that you really need Our benchmark data show. At least three people from a group to 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 create anonymity. If I've got one EA and right. you know he fills the survey, I'm going to know what he said. So yeah, exactly. you know it's it, you, you need you need that. But small companies absolutely can do three hundred and sixty. Um, it's going to be different than at large companies where it's going to be at scale.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and then I'm sorry I've, I've lost the uh, the first the first part. Well, the thinking. other
0: the other part of it was are there company cultures that uh, really would need to do some tilling of the fields if you will before they jump into that process. They're just not culturally ready whether I mean you probably have seen a lot of it, but the first thing that comes to mind for me is maybe low levels of trust or Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's um, the number 1. The base you need a baseline trust I, I, it reminds me of, I, I remember uh, talking to a, um, a it was a, actually it was a CEO of a, of a um, large, large company mm-hmm. who had one of his direct reports had had gotten some really negative feedback written and he was, and it was one of his favorite people and he was insistent on, I mean, he threatened to sue our firm if we he wow. didn't, we didn't tell him who it was that wrote it. Wow. And I told him, I said, look, it can take you 10 years to build employee trust and three seconds to lose it. The minute yes. you do that, you'll never have the trust again that you need right. to be able to do this. So trust is critical. In the end, I, when, when he, I explained it to him, he actually backed off and was like, thank you for not putting my letting me put my foot in that. Um, sure. So it worked out. But yeah, trust, basic trust in the purpose. Is really really important. If you think about again the space we're trying to focus on, which is between employees and their manager, um, if there's no trust there, uh, people will freeze up. So there's a baseline trust that you need to have. And if so, if it's a really toxic culture sure. um, where it isn't what you do but it's who you know, and and no amount of you know positive behavior can overcome that, you've got some work to do. And you can you can tiptoe in to a 360 process to start creating some of that. But th- that, those are the cases where you just, you really have to be careful. Yes. Um, yeah. And then the other one is history. Sometimes there's a history of uh, using 360s for gotchas and stuff. Okay. And so that history with 360 can be something to overcome. Sure. It's possible, but you have to be
0: mindful of it for sure. 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 Makes sense. Okay, great. Let's shift into some lightning round questions. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions. Top of mind answers are all we're looking for. Great. Um, as we are, you know, starting out the new year, what are your top goals that you're hoping to accomplish this year? Whether it's personal, professional, whatever you wanna share.
1: So uh, let's see, I've got, I'll, I'll give you two. Uh, so one, one goal, I've, I've, I've written a couple books, two books, and I've, I've, I've had a couple of others in mind for a while. And um, so my goal is not to write one of those ideas, but to write the proposal by the end of next year. Um, so I at least have a kind of a commitment to a direction. I'm kind of keep playing around with which one they might be. Uh, and then the second one is uh, I, I, uh, I'm a very amateur, but a painter. Um, I enjoy the process. There's a great book uh, uh, by Winston Churchill on, um, a Painting is a Pastime is what it's called. And it really talks about how it's just a great discipline and good for your mind and stuff. So I'd like to do four paintings uh, next year. It takes a little time to think them through and stuff, but it'd be great to get to the end of next year and have four paintings to, to show for it and uh, a plan for a book.
0: That sounds really admirable, I love that. Uh, speaking of books, what's your top book recommendation?
1: Oh boy, um, the, <laughs> the the book that I would grab in a fire is the Social Psychology of Organizations by Katz and Kahn, but it's out of print, and uh, so that's a that's a tough one. But that's that's kind of you know the, sure. what I live by. I you know it's there's it's a little, little bit of an older book um, now I, I imagine and and whatnot. But there's a book called um, uh, How Google Works that's real interesting, and I wouldn't necessarily say Google is kind of the Let's just say their people practices may not be as developed as their as their um, some of their their search tools. Mm-hmm. However, um, that book does a really great job of making the case of how people tools can be used effectively. There's a ton of IO psychology in there, but it's written in an accessible way. I love that they put some references in there, and you can see all the rigor and that's behind it. Sure. Um, and so it was a yeah, it was a few years back now, but I really I really like that book for. Thinking through how to leverage science yes. to to do um, effective uh, people people strategies. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, great. What are you most grateful for?
1: Uh, family, uh, no question. I mean, uh, especially in you know in the current pandemic, um, yes. just the the dearness of family and being able to be with them. Uh, I was very fortunate this year to be able to create a. A lot of effort went into creating a safe way to spend some time with uh, with my parents, um, with my daughter and uh, wife. And so, yeah, family is, is king.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, um, so uh, when I was in undergrad, I was sort of playing around with whether I would be a, a going to academia or not. And uh, Elliot Aronson uh, was my mentor then, and um, uh, still someone I hold dear. And, and I asked him about, well, gee, you know, what about this whole publisher parish thing? It seems kind of you know, tough. And he laughed, of course. I mean, if you look at his publication <laughs> record, you can see why. But he, he, said, uh, he said, ah, you don't worry about that stuff. He said, you just do great work, and the publications naturally come. And I thought that was a really great, and it showed up again. You know, the manager I talked about, Steve, kind of had that same mantra of just just focus on quality, focus mm-hmm. on doing quality, quality work that makes a difference, and everything else takes care of itself. And that's mm-hmm.
0: very inspiring to me. Perfect. That's great. That's a great piece of advice. Um,
1: he also said, "Don't ever go to staff meetings." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Another good piece of advice. What's, if you had to sort of distill our conversation down to one, you know, what's the single most important takeaway for the human capital listeners from our talk today?
1: The one thing. um, What
0: would you want to leave people with?
1: I guess I would just say, you know, there's the, the, if you're going to help improve leaders, do it well.
0: Hmm. Do it well,
1: invest, invest in fewer better rather than more less.
0: Mm, great piece of advice. Well Dale, thank you for coming on the show today and sharing all of this fabulous wisdom with our listening audience.
1: Well thank you, Jeff. Uh, some great questions. I've certainly enjoyed it and I hope you have a great holiday.
0: You too. Thanks for listening to the show this week. We release a new episode of Human Capital on the first and third Tuesday of each month. I would really like to know what you thought of this episode. Send your comments to humancapital at Goalspan.com. Human Capital is produced by Goalspan. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and please share this podcast with your colleagues, team, or friends. Thanks for being human. Kind.